This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm not Coach Glenn. I'm Coach Jen in Ocala, <laughs> Florida. Oh, my gosh. And I'm Stacy Westfall in Perrysville, Ohio. And you are listening to the Westfall Horsemanship episode on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 7th, 2020. This episode is brought to you by Equithrive. Good morning, horse world. <laughs> Shortest intro ever. Thank you very much for stopping by again this month, Stacy. Awesome to be here. First Tuesday of the month, you're here. We chat, chat, talk about horses, training. We do. Horse things. Horse things. Horse things. This, I'm, I'm excited about today because I invited Rachel Bendler, who's from Bella Run Equine, to come on as a guest. And I am a huge follower of their work online and and in person. And I've even gone to, she does, she tries to mostly on the slot auction here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so, but you know, with everything going on, it's just, I've been following how all the changes that are going on right now are affecting the horse rescue. So I'm excited about having her on and uh, Ginny. Telego will be back again, which she has become a regular. It should be like the Stacy and Ginny show because she's been on here every single time. <laughs> she's, she's so we'll get to talk to, to her. At, take a take a the big picture look at things. It's a lot of fun yeah. that way. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get the yep. drilled down view because there is no aspect of culture or economy that is not uh, feeling the effect, good, bad, or otherwise. I suspect a lot of bad of the current pandemic in place here on April 7th, 2020. If you're listening to this episode on April 7th, 2023, hopefully it's over. All's good. So sit back and enjoy without any worries. If you're listening to this episode on April 7th, 2035, go to Google and Google <laughs> pandemic 2019 and, and learn what happened. <laughs> For now, we're all sheltering in place. Is is Ohio sheltering in place? Are you doing that too? Yes. 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 And that's what's one thing that's been interesting is that, um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's like the you get a lot of, I get a lot of the questions of like, how's this changing what you were doing? And my regular life, that's probably the most disorienting part of it is it's not as much the way that it's changing work life. It's so much more disorienting to have it change everything about how you grocery shop, about how you communicate. I have two adult children that don't live at home anymore. So it's like, you know, how do you interact with them when they're in a highly public area most of the time? So you have to, it's just, it's the regular life part, including has this happened to you yet? Like, I want to have the vet out to look at a horse, but it's walking the line between it's not an emergency, but it's not routine care. Have you run into this yet? 
Not yet, knock on wood, but I, the, my farrier is due to come out and I'm going, okay, we, we need to do that. We can't just let the feet go. Now, trimming, we can, you can fudge trimming a little bit for most, for a lot of horses. Yeah. Healthy feet. But shoes, you can't just let them go and go and go. So I have to deal with that. But I've been very lucky so far that the veterinarian has not had to come out. See, what will happen is Nigel, my thoroughbred, who's a little bit accident prone because he makes poor decisions. <laughs> he gets hurt when we're not home. Okay. That's his favorite thing to do. I don't think we have ever gone on a trip, whether it's an overnight trip or a 10-day vacation or something in between. Our landlord and next-door neighbor always takes care of our horses for it. It's awesome. But invariably, I come home, he's done something to himself. Uh, <laughs> So he's not going to get hurt while we're here because we're here 24-7. But the minute we leave again, <laughs> the minute COVID-19 is done and we're allowed to leave the house, something's going to happen. You're just budgeting for that. <laughs> yeah, got to budget for, for Nigel's emergencies. So you obviously, as an equestrian professional, your horses live with you at home. Yeah. So you get, still get to kiss their noses and listen to them chew their hay and all those wonderful things, as well as ride them if you so choose. Yes. Um, what have you heard from friends, clients, people on your social media, how they're dealing with not being able to see their horses? Well, I'm going to roll back one second to the farrier thing. And I have a really good friend of mine who's a farrier and as you mentioned, like the, some of this can't wait, you know, and, but they've, he's up in Maine and they, he's considered essential, but they also, it's like, he knows, he knows the horses he's working on. This is not a good time to be probably getting a new farrier. Uh, so he knows the horses he's working on. And so the owners have just, you know, agreed to leave them in the stall. His, like a family member of his goes if the horse needs to be held by a person versus standing in the cross ties. Smart thinking because you yeah, have to keep, keep your yeah. exposure unit the same. Good exactly. Idea. So he's already, he's already got his, you know, wife and, and a lot of times the kids, like his kids are older and they're home because everybody's home. So he's able to continue on, you know, like you said, on a limited basis to where it's more of like the need to for this, but he's was telling me that he, that's how he's managed. And so that's gone well. And then, um, yeah. And then I'm walking through the thing where unlike your horse who waits until you're gone, Willow had her first injury type thing. And I was watching when ah! it happened. Like, I'm like, so I'm like, are you kidding me? So I turn my horses out when it's not because it gets it's really muddy like it's pouring rain right now here in Ohio and it'll be really really muddy and I turn them out to let them play in the indoor because it's like a giant perfectly groomed place to play right. and they run like little lunatics and she decided to try to do this turn the corner kicking out thing poor decision poor decision like move your body in six directions all at once. And for lack of a better <laughs> phrasing, she managed like a belly flop, like something between like, you know, when they wipe out on their side, like yeah. kind of like a fold, you'll see a fold wipe out on their side. But when she went to wipe out, like she was trying to use that hind leg in a certain way. And it actually like went out kind of behind her, oh, like she straight out behind to her. the fall. Oh, right. Yeah. And she like, 
Yeah. So she jumped up and she was immediately sore. Ah. And I was immediately Panicked. terrified because yeah. the way, because she doesn't usually do the way it looked. I actually had that moment of thought, like this could be career ending. Like this could be like bad, but within 12 hours, she was sound, even though she was swollen, which was like happy dance, like, mm-hmm. yay. Like, you know, it was more like the shock of having it happen. And she has been sound every day since, but it's been like doing all these weird things, like weird swellings and weird stuff. But she's walk, trot, sound. Mm. You know, if I ask her to lope a little bit, she's sound there, but I just didn't do that much. I'm just doing more like the, are you sound at a walk, trot? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, why are you swell? And so the cool thing is the vet, the vets are definitely upping their game with like text, email, video stuff. So I've been able to do like conference things that aren't usually an option, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's been fun, but it's still like nerve wracking. But anyway, back to the um, people dealing. Actually, that's it. I'm the longer this goes on, the more questions I'm getting about that. And, and it's definitely varies for sure between, You've got all the extremes. You've got people who have their horses at home. So they just have, they're just doing a modified, but their horses are at home, which is kind of the boat that I'm in. And again, I live right behind the state park and it's open. People are still hauling into trail ride and they're just suggesting uh, social, you know, like mm-hmm. physical, physical distancing on the yeah. trail. I like that phrasing better. I have, I do, too. I, I do like the phrasing, the physical distance, because you can still talk to each other in crossing. You're just, you know, six feet or more away, which tends to be actually a good distance to begin with. If your horses don't know each other, by the way, when you're Hello, passing on the trail, we, pra- we <laughs> practice <laughs> social distancing all the time with our horses, right. don't we? we? We're experts at physical distancing when meeting on the trail. So, yeah, so. Yeah. So that's, so for some people it's not changing much. So we've got people that are calling us and asking, are the trails still open and that kind of stuff. And I definitely suggest Google, but to my knowledge, all the ones around me, uh, I've had friends that were hauling in to multiple places around me. And as long as everybody keeps their distance and keeps doing everything like that, it looks like it's going to stay open. And so that's good. But the ones that it's being the toughest on are where people are at a boarding facility and because of the number of people, the boarding facility is on a tighter lockdown. Some boarding facilities are doing the, you know, schedule your time. See, that makes so much sense. Schedule your time. It does. Um, But I know some that have like 60 horses at them and that gets, that's hard to schedule. Yeah. yeah, If you've got eight boarders that you can like, Hey, you know, you can chunk that off by hours when you've got 60 well, That's a or you have to chunk it down by, okay, you get to see your horse once a week in the evening because we can fit four people per evening or. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you worked at it, but that's got to be tough because um, it's not just you being close to each other. You come out to the barn, you touch seven different doorknobs, door latches, or gate chains. <laughs> yes. And the next person who comes along an hour and a half later, later touches five of those eight and the next person yes. who comes along touches those eight in addition to two more and you forget to wash your hands or you scratch your face while you're ah. still talking yeah. about the barn or are we talking about the grocery store <laughs> did you did you know that you can wash with soap and water a jug of milk did you know that 
I have washed so many things with soap and water at this point that I'm like, <laughs> someone shared an article about like the danger of like washing something with soap and water, like fruit or how it leaves a residual. I'm like, look at this point, we're picking our poison. Like, like poison. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, a residual of dishwashing soap versus I'm like, if that was really too much of a thing, like, I guess I would have already had an exposure to that. Cause I kind of wash with dish soap all the time. So I get that some surfaces are more porous. I'm not, I'm just, you know, half joking here, but yeah, you can wash a lot, a lot of surfaces, but I agree with you that out in the barn, it's, you know, it's just tricky because you're right. I mean, I grab the hose, you grab the hose. Mm -hmm. I do really love the, the things going around that are like, act like it strangles. Yes. Yes. As soon as you read that, you're like that. And act like do that in the barn. Act like. You know, when you have that horse who has really stinky thrush <laughs> and you get it on your hands, your hands are not going to come anywhere near your face, are they? Pretend that's it because it doesn't matter what you've got on your hands. If they never touch your face, you're okay till you get to the end of the day and you're washing them. So it's all these different aspects that it's it's weird. So when, once this whole thing kind of dies at, down and dies off and we get back to something close to normal. I wonder often how many germaphobes we will have created because that yeah. hand washing process becomes habitual and it becomes normal and comforting because it's what you do. You have control over it. And I'm very curious to, you know, a generation from now, will the, will the shrinks be going, hmm, that COVID thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this. I'm thankful that it's spring right now because I do enjoy seeing, you know, the grass coming up up here in Ohio and the daffodils and I'm getting all these different flowers and I have officially now been trail riding. So this yeah. is a happy, happy, happy thing. So happy face. Yay. It does. It, it changes my perspective. So little presto, my horse that I got from. So uh, the the horse rescue last chance corral does a lot with nurse mare foals, Yay, and yeah. that's what Mister Presto is. He is a nurse mare foal plus four years. So now he's instead of this little tiny cute cuddly thing, he's massive, and I really want to be able to trail ride him. So it was fun to go on my first trail ride of the year, and then come home and see how it changed the way that I rode Presto. Because all of a sudden, I'm getting more serious about wanting to go on the trail. And I'm always serious about not getting hurt when I go on the trail. So I need to make these two overlap. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there you go. Combined. Yes. Combined. Like, Combined those things. Your arena work is much more serious now because I really want to go out there. And I just remembered there's a major drop-off on the left-hand side of the trail. And I don't want to go down it. And so... I'm going to go home and I'm going to ride you like there's a drop off right there. If you don't make that turn right now. Oh my goodness. Wow. Whew. So, uh, I guess it's time to get, get Jeannie on. She's here. She's regular. She comes on all the time. I'm going to kind of, she's awesome. She's you awesome. guys, you guys haven't really met online though. So this will be fun. Oh, I Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hey, good morning. You guys. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Ginny, meet Jen. Jen, meet Ginny. Hi, Ginny. <laughs> Hi, Jen. <laughs> well, okay. That was good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's always interesting when you 
like I know that you've heard some of the conversations, Jen, and so the uh, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to be like sometimes I feel like when we listen to each other, like I listen to other podcasts, and I'm like, I know you, but you don't know me because we haven't actually talked, but I listen to you talking all the time. So yeah. anyway. I feel like I know uh, Jen. I mean, you know, Glenn's mentioned Jen in our conversations. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Yes. All good. All good. <laughs> Oh, so, um, what I wanted to talk about, first of all, what we've been doing. So some, some behind the scenes for, it's funny to say hello to you yet again. Uh, Jenny is kind of funny cause we've been on the phone like every day for yeah. days in a row because we had, so we've been talking about how the COVID-19 is affecting all kinds of different things. And for you and I, we had an April live workshop because we decided this year was a good idea to try live and it didn't work out so well for April to be a good live event year. So we had to make a quick pivot and well, we, I guess we chose to make a quick pivot and and make this, make this an online event. So we have been working. (laughs) Yeah, we have. But we've been rocking it. So, yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Super exciting. And um, if you guys want to take a look at what we're doing, I did turn uh, the page on and it's live. So if you go over to stacywestfall.com and you click on student login, it'll take you over to a page where students log in. And if you're not a student, you can still see what's going on over there. But basically, we took this goal setting and problem solving live event and we've rolled it into online. And what I wanted to talk about today, which goes back, Jen, to a little bit of what you were, um, what you and I were talking about a little bit at the beginning was, you know, how are people handling this? For example, there's, there's a lot going on. So obviously pandemic, we'll, we'll, we'll just guess that everybody knows about that going on. But then the idea, like we were talking about earlier about people not being able to go to their barn and see the horses or not being able to, you know, because maybe it's a boarding situation or not being able to, you know, get the vet or the farrier on the same regular schedule that they're used to. So there's some interesting changes going on, but a lot of what we've been teaching about inside of this course is about how your thoughts create those emotions and how you can play back and forth. You can feel like an emotion kind of welling up inside of you and you can kind of trace it back to a thought that you're having. And, you know, rather than keeping it a hundred percent focused on, I love that everything crosses over, but instead of keeping a hundred, a hundred percent focused on the virus and the problem that's going on or the challenge that we're all facing, it, it applies everywhere. It applies to what I was talking about with riding on a trail with a horse that would spook. And so I kind of wanted to go down that that trail for a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I think that what you're talking about, Stacey, with, um, you know, everything that's happening right now, people are having all kinds of emotional responses to, to everything happening, um, you know, because of all the changes that we're having to experience. And, and I definitely can see the parallels to a lot of the things that, um, that, you know, that you and I have been talking about and specifically a lot of the work you've been doing and helping um, the, the folks that follow you with 
various challenges for their horses. And um, I like the idea of kind of looking at it from the perspective of um, the horse spooking situation. So how does that come into play with people's thoughts and emotions? Well, you know, when I was thinking about it, because um, for me, I know that when I was first trying to wrap my head around everything that was going on, like at first I was like, oh, it's okay. You know, we've got this under control, you know, very early on into the, to the idea that this virus was here. But I realized one time when I woke up at four in the morning with a, I've, I've dealt with um, anxiety and panic attacks before. And I woke up at four in the morning with uh, that slightly constricted. And I'm like, this is the beginning of a close to a panic attack. And um, something's happening. (laughs) This is, this is a sign (laughs) that I'm thinking about something and stressing about something. And it wasn't hard to look around and, and think it was the unknown of, you know, this virus and family members and, you know, just how people, you know, and just how is this going to change? And, you know, people I love could be hurt and affected by this. And so it was, it was that to me, especially at four in the morning when my brain decided that was the appropriate time to announce this was an issue, (laughs) Uh, especially at that moment, it was very, I was very aware my body was telling me that this was a happening and that I needed to deal with. But what was interesting to me was to then be like, okay, brain, why is 4am and what are you thinking about? But that was still almost too big to tackle. So it's always helpful Mm -hmm. to me if I turn to the horses and I think about little miniature versions of this that I've experienced in the past. And so basically we're talking about fear or anxiety or some kind of a super unpleasant emotion that you can usually remember (laughs) <laughs> from the past. Yes. And so I always think it's interesting when, like, say when I did Road to the Horse and, you know, the goal is to get on and ride this untouched horse in, you know, a handful of hours. So, you know, people are like, oh, you must be fearless. And I'm like, oh, no, that is not at all what it feels like. It is like being able to identify and make action steps and plans, but also understanding that, that those emotions like fear are, are a piece of it. And so I'm going to wind this back to something most of us who have ridden a horse have experienced, which is some kind of spooking, which sidebar, I have to tell you this because yeah, it just popped into my mind. I'm sitting here looking at my giant Mac computer and before I went to my 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 one horse expo of the spring, <laughs> uh, before I went to there, I took it down and I dropped it off. When I went to pick it up, the guy that was like, you know, giving me my computer back. Anybody get a guess onto what his story was when he, when when he's like, oh, you do what? You have horses? I rode a horse once. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. Everyone like, has a horse story. <laughs> I know exactly. I'm picking up this big computer and he's like, I rode a horse once and I'm thinking, well, the fact that it was only once is probably not a good sign for how this story is going to end. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, like, my uncle put me on and he said everything would be fine. And then it bolted. And right. I was hugging his neck and eventually I ended up on the ground. And that's the end of my story. And so, you know, apparently, like at some point, most people, if you ride long enough, you tend to 
have some kind of a spooking or some kind of an event like that that happens. But apparently it can be your first event too. So right. note to self. So it lays ever- the groundwork for future <laughs> thinking. <laughs> so anyway, slightly back on track. What, you know, if you've ever had a horse spook before, then you know the next time you get on, you've now got a thought in your mind about what right. could happen. And you've got to come up with some kind of a way to deal with there is a reality that is right there. And, but there's also your thinking about it. And one thing I'm going to put out there and then I'm going to pitch it back to you because who knows how many rabbit trails I could go down. I really needed that second coffee this morning. Uh, <laughs> but the, um, but the, but the thinking to me is like, so if I go and get on this horse and I know there's a reality that it could spook, I need to do all I can in my physical power. Like this is what I was talking about with Presto. Like I'm not taking him out until I feel really comfortable that I have enough tools in the toolbox to be able to stop, prevent this, whatever. But at the same time, I know that driving to the grocery store this afternoon, I could be in a car accident because there is that reality that we hold in our lives anyway. But what I think when I try to get over something like um, anxiety or panic attack it is the idea that I'm probably compounding it in my brain when I'm headed towards a panic attack because what I'm doing is I'm having fear of the fear of the fear of the fear. And I start, I've noticed that in my thinking. So I'm going to pitch it back to you, Jenny. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah. I, I just have to say every time when I do a leadership workshop with the horses, there's always at least one person in the group who has a horse story that um, has is impacting their uh, thought process about being out with the horses and just having the experience. And so it's always interesting to see how that shifts for them. Usually once they get out and they start to see, you know, yes, this happened once before, but A, we're not riding. So if their horse incident was a riding related incident, we've already, we take that off the table. Um, but even just in general, you know, they may, they have then developed a perception around horses, um, about horses. And so um, it, it, it takes, it takes a, a lot to shift what we're thinking. And what I'm hearing you say, Stacey, and what you're kind of talking about, I think is um, a lot of this, this idea behind, okay, I had this experience and you can't not have the experience, right? It's happened. It's in the past. It's, it's there. And when we go back the next time, if we make that choice to still go back and get on our horses, um, there's, there's nothing wrong with us. And this is really important. I think for people to, to think about is nothing wrong with us for getting on the horse after a spook that maybe, you know, kind (laughs) of set us back a little bit. Um, There's nothing wrong with getting on the horse and going, you know, that last time when we rode was really unpleasant, right? Because we, we are really good at holding on to unpleasant experiences. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing abnormal about that. That's your brain. That's your brain kicking in and going, um, hello. Last time you did this, it didn't stay work safe. out so well. <laughs> stay safe, stay safe. <laughs> and so, um, so you know, being able to recognize that and, and that that then causes you to have an emotional response, which kicks into your body, right, of, you know, 
like you were saying, Stacey, waking up in the middle of the night with that, those thoughts going on and recognizing, you know, that you were having an emotional response to all of these thinking um, pieces that were happening for you. And, and we know that the horse picks up on our, on our physical um, feelings too. So I, I think what, what we want to try to do is look at the power of what if, because that is what gets us into trouble sometimes is we go down, uh, we go down the rabbit trail of what if the horse spooks again? What if next time the horse spooks, I fall off? What if the next, you know, what if I fall Mm -hmm. off and then I get hurt? What if I fall (laughs) off and I get hurt and I can't go to work? And so we, we take ourselves down that path and what we need to be able to do, and it's hard because, again, this is our brain comes into play, and our brain has so much power over us um, that we have to really be conscientious to say, okay, well, what if I get on and this happens again, right? And we kind of start going down that trail, but what if we get on and it doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. What if we get on and 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 we have a great ride. What if I get on and I have a great ride and, and I get off and everything's fine? We resist for whatever reason. We resist um, being conscious about shifting our thinking about those kind of things. And, um, and I think that that is just an important uh, tool for us to have, whether it's with our horses or not. And I think, Stacey, you know, you talk about that a lot when you're when you're talking with people about moving through the spooking process, because you're also trying to help the horse develop the ability to say, well, yes, that scared me last time. But what if next time it doesn't scare me? Right. And um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's interesting just to look at how our thinking really has such a powerful impact on um, on our emotional response, as well as then our physical responses to things. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, part of the, I like what you were saying about, you know, kind of the, what if this is different? And a lot of times it's picking up another tool in between. It's like, so you can generally learn from something that happened. And so, you know, the horse spooks and then you become aware that, in that moment, the steering didn't work. The stopping didn't work. Some kind of communication line was not working as well. So hopefully you go back and you take some more active steps for improving that. So for me, when I woke up in the middle of the, of the night and and was having this anxiety around the whole virus thing, I was like, well, I could call my children that don't live at home and I can hear their voice and I can connect with them and I can say, because they probably haven't heard it yet, wash your hands. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I just need to get that off my chest. Cause like, I just feel like I need to tell you to wash your hands again or whatever. Right. But I, there were some action steps that I could take, you know, not because I can change the outcome of everything. Not that I can change all of it, but there was, there were some things that were in my power you know, that, that I could control. And I think that's like that with the horse where, where, you know, there, there may be some, maybe the incident can point you towards some more physical steps, but I think it is interesting how sometimes people don't in that they don't play back and forth between like, 
you know, when I woke up, first thing I noticed was my physical reaction. The first thing I noticed was my, you know, my tightness in my chest, the, you know, restriction of being able to breathe. I think the first thing I noticed for sure was the physical change. And then because I've studied a lot more of this, I've been like, oh, wait a minute, I should be able to trace this back to a thought. So I think that's an interesting play right now with everything that's going on that people can, maybe they can hold on to that so that even when they are thinking about something like, you know, they can't go to the barn right now because the barn owner has shut down the privileges of being able to come and visit. Apparently my bird feels the need to join the conversation. Can you hear the bird? <laughs> but he's, he's distant. Okay. He's good. No, he's I don't away. hear him. You're fine. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Noah has some things to say about this too, but he probably has the same anxiety. So, but when you're, but when you're, um, so when you're thinking about something like not being able to go to the boarding facility because for safety issues or for the moment or because of the state that you live in and some of the requirements you're, you're say you're shut down from going to the barn for two weeks, you know, it, that's an interesting time to be able to feel the emotion, tra- track down the thinking. And then, you know, kind of what I'm saying, what I was saying at the beginning of the call just a little bit, you know, is l- look look back to something that's kind of similar like that. Like, I've missed two weeks of riding time because of a personal injury. You know, that's happened to me before in my life where I've had two weeks where I physically was down and couldn't go to the barn. And at that point I had to trust other people with my horse. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think you know, that was, yeah. that's really key right there. And so, yeah, it's, um, I, that's, that's kind of how I navigate through life is looking for those little things that are actually a little bit similar, not to say that it's the same at all as a pandemic. Cause this is very unique, but those little things that are similar help me. Well, and Stacy, I think what, what I'm hearing you say um, is you have developed the ability to take the information um, that you're getting from how you're feeling, right, and see it as just that. This is information. What can I take away from that? What's this information giving to me um, for, for me to look further at something? You know, and like you were saying with the horse that, you know, if, if the spook happens um, and so what's the information that comes out of that, if you are really struggling to get back on, which I, I will say very quickly, I had that experience a long time ago with one of my horses and, and it took me a little while to really see what the information was that I needed to get from that. And what I needed to get from that was that I wasn't as confident as I thought I was getting back on. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I had gotten back on, but it was, but I I wasn't confident about it. And I kept pretending I was confident about it. And so I finally realized that, um, that even as a professional, you know, because what had happened had been really, you know, a fairly traumatic event. And um, I realized that I needed to have some coaching. You know, and so I reached out to a colleague of mine who who does coaching work, and this is before I knew Stacy, and um, 
And she walked me through, you know, really getting to that. It wasn't just about, hey, I just, I just want to get back on my horse or I just need my horse to stand at the mounting block. It was, I had to really look at the information he was giving me was, you know, I needed, I needed to work some more on some of my own confidence and we needed to work together on some of his skills. And so I wouldn't have gotten that information if I had just stayed in the emotional piece and I hadn't gone a little bit down to say, what are, what's the thinking I have? What's my belief and perception about this situation that's causing me to have the emotional response? And, and I think that's where it's important to, to do that because that's where you get the information. And that's what we talk about in our, in our um, upcoming event. Yep. Yes, for sure. That's, you know, the whole thing is, and that one is goal setting and problem solving because they're tied together. Because if you set a big enough goal, you're going to run into problems and then you're going to have to figure out how to go through those. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it, it, it actually is a fun subject and I've, I've enjoyed being able to explain some of the leaps that I've been able to make, you know, not on a, like, I think sometimes people look at like, you know, the riding bareback and bridalist and they just think it just was all just a smooth staircase up there, you know? And it was like, Oh no, that was like, yeah, that was like one of those Harry Potter moments, you know, when the staircase keeps moving from like the moving staircase and the staircase that has like the, the missing steps and the staircase that grabs your foot, like, all right. of these different images pop into my mind about this staircase <laughs> because that's how that's how my path looked. It was not straight and just easy. So that's been really enjoyable to be able to unpack that. And during that event, cool. when, we, when we host it live, we'll actually be having people live, joining us live and, um, and coaching straight with us. So if you want more information about that, you can visit stacywestfall.com and click on the workshop link that you'll find on the homepage or the student login. So, yeah. well, thanks for, cool. thanks for joining us today, Ginny. Yeah. Thank you for a great conversation. Uh, as you know, Stacy, and some of the, some of the folks that are listening that have heard us before know that this is really one of the things I'm passionate about. And I love having discussions around how our thoughts impact everything else. So thank you for letting me uh, uh, be part of that conversation. Very fun. Thanks, Ginny. All right. Thanks, Jen. It was nice to meet you. I hope you guys have a, a good rest of the day. Stay safe and wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> and think about it while you do that. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, you guys take care. Bye. Thanks. See ya. Bye. We've got a lot of time to think right now. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and I think it's time to hear from our sponsors today, Equithrive. And when we get back, we are going to be chatting with Rachel Bendler from Bella Run Equine Rescue Folks. It's no secret the animal nutrition market is saturated with substandard products and unfounded claims. And as horse owners, trying to choose the right supplement for the right horse can be maddening and ultimately a waste of time and money. At Equithrive, our mission is to make this whole song and dance easier on you and much more beneficial to your horses with products that are developed with care and backed by science. Products you can trust to safely support optimal health and wellness to your horses. Products that are independently tested to ensure your horse is getting exactly what it says on the label and clinically tested to prove that, you know, it actually works on horses and not, say, 
mice. Equitrol's proprietary resveratrol ingredient, resveracin, has been scientifically proven to reduce inflammation and oxidative stress in horses, as well as help support optimum metabolic function. So stop wasting your time and money. If you believe in products backed by scientific research and clinical trials, Equithrive is a name to remember. So do your critters a favor. Visit Equithrive.com today. Hello, Rachel. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So for those of you who are listening, this is Rachel Bendler from Bella Run Equine. And I'm going to see if I can make a short version of this story, but I met you, Rachel, through Last Chance Corral. And I, yeah, and I saw Last Chance Corral online and went down and visited. And actually, you're in my, did you know that video that I made, Visiting the Foals, has over a million views on YouTube? Does it really? Yeah. It was a it was a good trip, and you know we had we talked just a little bit. So if you guys want to see her, you can actually see her at the beginning of that video, and and then um, and so we got to know each other, and then you were an accomplice. I'm going to put this on you for two things: one you know of, and one you oh. don't know of. <laughs> you were an accomplice when I when I said, um, you know, Victoria said, "Hey, you know, this was four years ago." Victoria said you know, would you mind sharing a post? You know, adoptions are a little bit low right now. And I said, sure. And I jumped onto Last Chance Corral's website and saw Presto. And he was photos of him at three days old. And so, of course, the first thing I did was text you. You you know that you helped me get Presto picked out because you sent me the, you sent me, you sent me uh, photos and encouragement and Mr. Presto came home. But you don't know what you... That you did, but you don't know what you also sent home with him. Oh, boy. (laughs) I remember when I came down there because I wanted him, but I couldn't take him home right away because he was really sick. And you guys kept him to keep, like, you guys kept him so you could get him healthy before you sent him back. And when I was there, he's been slow the whole time. He's still, he's still (laughs) keeping on. He's keeping on with the keeping on. But the one thing that he held on to that he just grabbed on that you did that he held on to. Do you remember scratching his butt? Yes. Do you remember he him backing? <laughs> do you remember him backing into you while you're like backing up yeah. towards you? Like more, more. I'm not kidding you. No matter what part of his body I start brushing, he starts oh. backing up. And part, like I've had him back up when I scratched their butts before, but this one, you start brushing right. his head. He backs up. You start brushing his neck. He starts backing up. You start brushing his shoulders, start backing up. And I'll tell you, he might be slow, but when he gets hold of something, he does not let go of He's it. He's like, I've got this. I've, I've got, got this, this button and I know it. He's like pleasure, well. pleasure and continuing pleasure equals pleasure back into it. It continues back into it. It continues. <laughs> So when I I say he's backwards, I'm telling you, he really is backwards. (laughs) (laughs) He retained the information though. Good good on him. (laughs) He, he did. He did. And I'm really, really enjoying it, but that's the long version of kind of how I met you. That was before you had Bella run. That was, yeah, I was working there. Can you tell me a little bit about getting Bella Run started? Because what I want to what I want to get to where we're going with this conversation is you've recently put out a few posts about how all of this 
is affecting the the industry. But before we jump into that, I'd like to just how'd you how'd you start with Bella Run? So I Victoria actually um, took me to my first auction, low end auction where meat buyers attended regularly up in Sugar Creek, um, and we got a couple horses, and I just sort of fell in love with it. The picking out diamonds in the rough and bringing them home and fixing them up and finding them homes. It just kind of grabbed me. Um, and I started doing it with my husband, just a couple horses at a time while I was still at last chance. Um, last chance is very into the nurse mare folds and that's the main part of her program. So there wasn't really an opportunity for us to go to the auctions that mm-hmm. much through last chance. Um, and it was sort of snowballing what Zach and I were doing on the side to the point where we just decided to make it its own thing. Um, it was, I will say it was hard for us to adopt out horses without becoming an official rescue. Um, it gave us sort of a credibility, if you will, once we became a rescue and it, it was a necessary step for us to make mm-hmm. that leap. If we wanted to continue doing it the way that we were doing it, we were putting contracts on our horses and requiring references and, before we were rescued, it was a little odd to people that, um, that we were asking for all of that because we just sort of came across as random young people selling horses. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. But that's sort of how it, it became. We were more or less forced into it really, but it was a good thing. It was absolutely a wonderful thing. Yeah. And, and it, and it, as you, as you say that it, it makes perfect sense because when you bring horses back from, particularly Sugar Creek where I've got, I've driven over and met you there before. But when you go and get those horses from places like that, they're not the horses you want to be mixing with babies. You know, the, the, the cooties or the other things that you call what they bring home, you know, like they, they bring home some stuff that you're not going to want to mix. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to me as I've gotten to know the rescue world a little bit more, because at one point I wanted to stick my toe in the water of rescuing and, and thought about doing it. And when I went really, when I went over and really took all the steps, like, okay, how would I quarantine? How would I rehab? How would I refeed a horse that's that thin? How would I get this vet stuff? I realized, holy cow, like people like you are experts at what you do. And I thought, you know what? I'm an expert at what I do. And the best thing I can do is help these people who are experts at what they do and, and see if I can't line that up. And so I wanted to bring you on today because of some of your recent posts, which by the way, if you guys follow Bella run, I would suggest like you can, you can go to their website, bellarun.com, but also Bella run equine on the, um, we'll put links in the show notes too, but Bella run equine on Facebook. Rachel is an amazing writer. She writes beautifully. And some of the things they should really be put together into a, into a coffee table book because they are just, I have been, you have made me cry more than any other place and in it, but a good cry, like a good cry and and with horse stories. And it's amazing. But more recently I read the post that you made on April 3rd about your, it's, it begins with our biggest adoption event and fundraiser of the year that provides much of our needed funding and adopt and adoptions this year's canceled. And so I would like to talk a little bit about that because early on I saw you posting, you know, we're going to need to restrict how many people come. We're going to need to restrict, you know, now we're being careful about volunteers. Can you kind of walk us through what this 
pandemic event has been like from a horse rescue standpoint? Yeah, um, it's been hard. This I can say with confidence that this is the first world event in our history that's really affected us a lot. Um, the horse industry, you know, it's a constant ebb and flow. It, there's ups, there's downs. Horses come in, rescues are broke, they're not broke, you know. But this is hitting everybody, and it's hitting everybody in a really serious way. Um, I'm friends with a lot of other people that run rescues and I'm just seeing one after another pop up on Facebook. We're shutting our doors. We're closing down. We can't do it, you know, in a very permanent way. Mm. Um, and we're fortunate enough right now that, that we're knock on wood. All right. Um, but the changes that we've had to make, like you said, as far as volunteers go, conducting adoptions is insane how we're having to do it right now. You know, everything has sort of changed. Um, on the flip side, from a donation and money standpoint, donations largely are made with expendable funds for people, whether it's $5 or $500. It's money that they don't need. Now, when everybody's losing their jobs, the first thing that leaves is donations. Um, mm -hmm. So rescues are kind of struggling in that way as well, just not able to get rid of animals, yet not able to bring the money in to support them, even even in the state of just freezing things. It's tricky. Yeah, that does sound tricky. And can you go just a little bit more into like, so what are some of the changes you had to make with, um, you know, how, how volunteers work in an ideal situation prior to this? And then yeah. what's changed for you now? Yeah, so ideally when things are normal, um, people can call us and we schedule a day for them to come out and they can hang out for the day and help us clean and brush horses and just be at the farm and take the farm in and the horses in. Now we have limited it to our very core, very essential volunteers. Um, I have one guy that's coming out to feed for us during the week and then it's pretty much Zach and I, um, I have another person that's coming down just to help with the training aspect of things, just to keep horses going. But that's pretty much it. Um, if you don't know the way that we work already and you can't bang chores out right now and quickly, we can't have you out, um, mm -hmm. which is hard. And as far as adoptions go, um, we can't have people out to spend three hours talking about every single horse on the farm and finding the best match. You know, that stuff has to be done over the phone now, which is really really difficult um then of course we whittle it down to one or two and have them come out for that and there's a whole set of regulations if they want to come to the farm for that which are getting stricter by the day as well um we're just kind of waiting for the call that we're not going to be able to do adoptions anymore period yeah for the foreseeable future yeah and and so how many horses do you have there right now on site there's 34 right now. Um, we have four in training close by, um, but they're, they were due to come home this week and we're kind of, kind of figuring out if they should stay where they are, if they should come home, you know, with this whole virus thing, traveling isn't recommended, obviously. So 34 to 38 <laughs> this week, yeah. depending. Yeah. And this week you would have been at equine affair and how would that, what, what is a normal equine affair for you? 
So last year was our best year and we took 14 horses and found homes for 12. Um, they didn't necessarily leave at equine affair, but they were spoken for the people were approved to adopt. They were good fits. They left in the week after, um, that not only meant that many horses getting adopted, that meant $12,000 in the rescue pocket as well, just from adoption fees. So the horses that we take to events like that, um, we call our lifesaver horses. And those are horses that are just good representatives of the rescue that we can ask a higher adoption fee for to support the horses, like the starvation cases that come in that really drain a lot of funding. It kind of, it balances out a little bit. And Equine Affair was a great place for us to take our showcase horses basically and, and just have them reach a broader audience and find them homes. And we don't have that this year, um, which is tricky. Yeah. It, that would definitely be tricky because I actually, it's really fun when, and, and I can try to find a picture from your website when, when I'm down at Equine Affair, like, so last year I was down at Equine Affair and it's always fun because I like how you actually paint the adoption, like adopt me on the horses. And so it makes it really yeah. easy to see, you know, when they're walking around, it makes it very clear and the horses are super happy and it makes it easy to pick you guys out in the warm up pen. Right. There's like no... It's like, you want to see everything we're doing. They have a sign on their butt and you can follow them around <laughs> with ease of ease of handle and see. And so, uh, with, you know, I have to, I want to circle back because I know that you guys originally started out with the idea of being a, um, like go, getting most of your horses from the auctions. But then you right. just recently, you said you were, you had to actually shut down like accepting, you know, horses the other day yeah. because people were calling you to like calling and trying to, you're seeing it from that yeah. end too, where people are just trying calling. There, yeah, How's there's that? an element of panic with this whole pandemic. People aren't, you know, when it comes down to feeding your kid or feeding your horse, the kid wins, understandably, you know, so people, if they're losing their jobs, where do I take my horse? That's the first thought they have because horses are expensive they are a financial luxury to have so the i think the highest number of horses we had to turn down in one day was 23 um just people calling needing to get rid of them and these, there's nothing wrong with these horses that people just are afraid that they can't support them anymore and we'll we'll throw resources their way um there are some grants out there for owners for feed and hay and things just so they can keep their horses through this time, overloading rescues, it's not going to work. So the goal right now, it's sort of a, a unified goal through all the rescues is to keep as many horses in their homes as we possibly can at this point, um, because we're trying to struggle with the horses that we have as is. We don't need, we can't take in anymore right now. Um, and, and I think that's a goal that we're all sort of working towards together. Same with dogs and cats. It's, it's exactly the same. Just trying to keep everybody where they are and, and still while we survive this thing, the goal. So, so I like that you brought that up. If someone, if someone is in that situation, in a, in a situation where they are trying to figure out what their next step is, what are you recommending them to do for like reaching out to somebody? Because people are listening from all over the country. Yeah, I'll, we'll put a link up on Facebook and I can give the links to you guys as well for a couple of grants um, that people can reach out for. They're emergency grants for private people. You don't have to be a rescue, but you apply for them and they, whether it's grain coupons or 
pay vouchers or whatever, they will help you get through this time um, with your own personal horse so your horse can stay there. If push comes to shove and you cannot keep your horse, um, even if you reach out to your local rescue and they can't take them, ask if they'll courtesy post them on their website give them good pictures and good information and your information, obviously. And that way you reach their audience as well when trying to find a place for your horse to go. Ideally, you don't have to do that. Um, but it, people are having to rehome their horses at this point, unfortunately. That was really, really helpful advice. And yeah, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I, I want to share to people that if you if you go on to Facebook, you can watch the videos of the horses that that Rachel and, and the folks from Bella Run, Zach, everybody, you guys were prepping a bunch of horses to take, yeah. and now those are turning into videos. And I know a fair number of people who have bought horses from videos sight unseen, you know, like they haven't actually gone out. Yeah. So I would imagine that you've got you've got the interview process that you can do, and and. I have recommended your rescue so many times because here's one thing I want to say before we close is I have sent personal friends to you and I'm not even sure if they told you or not, but what I like is they were looking for a very particular, like I want a horse that I can use for my granddaughter for this particular thing. And you have said, I don't have that right horse for you. And that means a lot to me. Because it gives me so much confidence in sending people to you because you will, you, you do care about lining up the horse and the person and, and making that a good fit. And, and that just means the world to me. So thank you so much for everything you do. And thank you for sharing that information that I literally, I had no idea until you just told me and I will make sure to share some of your posts too. Very good. Where should people find you online if they want to find out more? www.bellarunequine.org and we're also on Facebook. Um, Bella Run Equine is the name of the Facebook page. We do update Facebook more than the website. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And if you can share those, those, um, those links, that will be awesome. I'll, I'll reshare your, I'll share your post about these, the links you were just referring to. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Choosing the right supplements for your horses can often feel like a chore, and you got enough of those. So think Equithrive when it comes to the health and performance of your equine athletes. From clinically proven joint support to essential performance nutrition, Equithrive products are developed with care, backed by science, and ready to go to work for you. So stop wasting your time and your money on unproven products. Equithrive has you covered. Visit Equithrive.com today. I, I love listening to Rachel. She's so upbeat and positive. You just, you want to smile. You feel good after you chat with Rachel. Oh boy. Like I, that was such a blessing to meet her years ago. And it's fun because I think of her, I do. I think of her literally every time I brush Presto because every time he backs up and I try <laughs> to change it, I'm like, I know where this came from because I just remember and I, I just remember standing there and she'd scratch and he'd back up and he he's, he's this little tiny thing and now he's like 16 one oh and giant. 
he's giant and it used to be like you could put your arm over him and like he was he was like just barely waist high he was just this little scrawny thing but you could tell he was going to be leggy and and i think i could tell he was going to be gorgeous and i think this is the year that you're gonna that the world's going to be able to see his you know him coming into himself but i definitely think of rachel every single time i brush him because he backs up and he's like more more it's very funny but she is the work she does and you know maybe i'll have to have her back on again but i i should go down through there are some of her posts that I'm not kidding would need no editing to go straight into a book. And they're, they're just like amazing these. And, and a lot of them, they, they, a lot of them come from these situations that are so, you know, uh, she gets called into a fair number of the um, seizure kind of events when, like when they, when they take, when it takes multiple rescues to be able to undo like some place where they find that horses are starving and, yeah. and they can't stand up and those kind of things. And some of the stories that come out of there that, but she does them in such a classy way that you're just like, it's just, it's just amazing. It really it's, is. It's so a, it's a, un, it's a very special outlook on life to be able to take those situations and after you converse with the person or read the blog post or something, at the end of it, you feel hopeful and not defeated. That's a very special person. It is. It is. I remember I remember one post that pops into my mind, and it's, it's old. It's it got to be a couple of years ago anyway. But she posted a picture of this obviously neglected horse, but it had a pit. It had a it had braids in its mane and ribbons. And the whole post was about how sometimes it's something like mental illness that's causing a horse to be quote unquote abused. So it's actually starved. I mean, you can look at the starvation aspect of it, but it wasn't for a lack of love. It was for a lack of full awareness of that horse. And to me, when she's able to tie some of those together, it is like, oh my goodness, it's it's heart-wrenching to think that this person that's struggling with, you know, this emotional problem over here actually like loves this horse and yet is on another realm causing this horse harm. But when she's able to weave threads like that together, that takes some talent to be able to make me think twice about, you know, not every case is straight up abuse in the way that I want to use that word, meaning, you know, that somebody, somebody, that somebody willingly was like, I'm going to harm this animal. It's it's not as black and white as we would like to think it is. It's not as black and white. And she does such a beautiful job of explaining so many of those and, 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 and being just very factual about it. I love that she's turned down people I know for like, because she's like, I don't have the right horse for you right now. I'm like, that is the kind of person I will send people towards all day long. Yes. You have to be willing to say no. And that's actually easier in a situation there because she is running a rescue. And as a rescue, you have the right to say, no, this is not the right animal versus in the open marketplace. If you're someone who sells horses as part of your business, when you say to somebody, this isn't the right horse for you, you do have the risk of that person creating a very negative um, reflection of you 
in a public forum because that person might want that horse, even though you think it's not the right horse for them. Now, hopefully, as someone who sells horses as part of your business, you are able to step up and and make that call. But I can see where the struggle is as a professional if it's kind of borderline. So big picture problem right there. But big picture problems. We're going to look at a first world equestrians problem. And that is Western dressage. It's hard. It, the struggle is real. And you've been doing the Western <laughs> dressage podcast. How are you much of you loving that? I am loving the Western, Western dressage podcast. It has been, it's so fun because I've been doing interviews. And so being able to interview judges and interview trainers and bring the different viewpoints to the Western dressage community. And, and I've, I've even been sending people like you can get a horse that's going to be able to do Western dressage from a rescue like Rachel's like, and so it's like, you can there, but this, the Western dressage world, actually one of the people that I have lined up, I want to do an interview because there's so many different horses. So for example, um, Marsha Hartford Sapp was really successful with a Mustang yeah. And she's been really, so there's, so this is not, this is a very non-breed dependent. It And that's one, one of the things I really like about the Western dressage is that if I wanted to, I could reach out and have a different breed representative on every podcast for the next year that be because cool? that's when I went, isn't that crazy? So when I went to the Western dressage world show last year, that was one of the fun things was that it was like, Wow, there's a, there there are gated horses here doing this. There are multiple different breeds of gated horses yeah. doing this. Everything there are Arabians doing yeah. this. Fjords, Quarter Arabians, horses, Mustangs, Fjords. Mustang, they've got them all. All that of it. Very interesting. You're right. All of it. The traditional or English dressage, um, even at the lower levels nowadays, you very rarely see a horse going through there that isn't. If not a European warm blood, it looks like a European warm blood has become very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, very uniform in type, much less so <laughs> that, in Western dressage. And last year, that was why it was so fun to take my little quarter pony, who is a, um, she's a dun, which a lot of people think of buckskin. She, she like just picture spirit the movie, the cartoon, this is what my little pony looks like. And I was doing traditional dressage with her. And so it was so funny because she's, she's not quite, she's not quite 14 hands. So not only was she tiny, she was also dramatically a different color and people were like, Oh my gosh, she's so cute. And they, you know, we were, we were bringing out the, even the judges were writing cute pony on my actual tests. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But you're right. Like it was not the like you're right that in that world there's definitely a more classic look. Yes. And Willow and I definitely broke out of that mold. But in the Western dressage world, lots of different breeds and lots of different opportunities, and you can you can see that. And I have the Western dressage podcast, which is hosted on the Horse Radio Network and is the last week of the month on the Dressage Radio. Right podcast and this dressage radio show. And so um, I also have a Facebook group for the Western dressage. So if you are interested in it, you can join the Western dressage with Stacy Westfall Facebook group. Oh, cool! And, and, and that, and that gives us a place to be able to do more talking about 
about Western dressage and sharing videos and sharing the new, they're actually starting to do more online shows right now, which, you know, online shows, I think there's going to be a rise in like online, uh, feedback, (laughs) online, everything, online, everything, nice, nice fill in there, online, everything, but like online feedback from judges, online shows, online schooling show. Thank you. There's my word I'm looking for. So yeah. Good, good, good stuff. Good stuff. So tune in the last week of the month on the Western Dressage Show feed for Stacy's Western version. And then go on Facebook and look for Western Dressage Stacy Westfall. Join the club. Have a good time. And you can find everything Stacy is up to on her website at stacywestfall.com. And for links to And you could go ahead. Yeah. And you can find the links to today's guests in the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. That's right. Best place to find them. If you haven't done so already, download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And for the less tech-savvy persons in your life, gently, after they've sterilized it, take their phone from them (laughs) and download the app. Uh, They'll thank you later. (laughs) Or if you are the less tech-savvy person, perhaps Facebook live your friend and have them show you how to do it virtually and that'll work too and thank you very much to our sponsor today and they are equithrive there you go you can find equithrive go online and check them all out they're the real deal and uh we'll see you again next month hey stacy that's right thanks again talk to you in the next episode <laughs>